0: Welcome to the City Reach Baptist Podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, one of the most important decisions that a parent has to make is what am I going to name my child? It's one of the most important decisions that a parent has to make. How they going what they're going to name their child. And the reason that it's an important decision is because the name that you give your child is going to last for their whole entire life. Well, I am sure that some of my friend's parents didn't really think about the names that they were going to give to their kids. One of my friends growing up, his name was James Dean. James Dean, just like the iconic 60s hipster. And he hated his name because all throughout primary school, everyone would tease him about having the name James Dean. But that was not the worst name that one of my friends, um, one of my friend's parents gave them. There was this kid and he was two years younger than me. And I kid you not, his parents gave him the name Ronald McDonald. (laughs) Ronald McDonald. Did they not know? Did they not know about McDonald's? How could they not know about McDonald's, the largest franchise in the world? I mean, that kid would have been teased all throughout his primary school, all throughout his high school. So parents, Lachey, listen up. Whatever you name your kid is going to be their name for the rest of of their lives. You have to really think about what you're going to name your, your, your child. You know, Timon is a great name, by the way, Lachey. It's a fantastic name. So have a think about that. Well, names are important and biblical names are important, really important. I mean, when you think about it, the names in the Bible describe the character of the person. For example, the name Eve means mother of all the living, which is a great name for Eve because she was the mother of all humanity. And obviously, Jesus, his name is significant. Uh, You know, the angel came to Joseph and said, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is a derivative of the name Joshua in Hebrew, which means the Lord saves. And this is exactly what Jesus came to be. He came to be the savior of the world. Now, the reason I say all this is that we are going to press pause on our study in the book of Ephesians. Who's loved our study of the book of Ephesians? You love the study of the book of Ephesians? It's been great. And we're going to pick that up again when we come into January. We're going to pick up studying the book of Ephesians again. But we're going to press pause on the the study of the book of Ephesians because we don't want to miss out on the opportunity that God has given us right now in this season, you know, I know that uh, sometimes Christmas and the celebration of Christmas can be a little bit controversial. You know, the Puritans they considered the celebration of Christmas to be like a pagan festival or something like that. But I think in Australia, you know, at at, at Christmas time, people are open to speak about Jesus, which is why we actually do the Carols Alive um, spectacular because it is a way that we can share with our community the message of Jesus, the message of Christmas. And I was so proud of all of you. I gave a call out a couple of um, weeks ago and said, we need everyone to get involved, everyone to help, and you all stepped up and it was just brilliant last Sunday night to see the body at work. It was a real demonstration of the body of Christ as people were serving, and people were serving our community and loving our community. And I really wanna honor this morning Leanne Thompson and also Jason and Lauren, 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 Lauren Crittian for their hard work. So let's just thank them for all the hard work that they put in. Fantastic stuff. But guys, the work is not yet done. Two weeks time, we're going to have Christmas Eve. We've got two Christmas Eve services. It'd be great for you to be praying and thinking about family and friends that you can invite along, so we can have this place full of people who are far from God, who need to hear the message of Jesus. So be praying about, you know, Christmas time. People are more open to coming to church. So easy to ask someone, "Why don't you come to church with me at Christmas time?" More open to come. So let's invite our family and friends along to the Christmas Eve service in a couple of weeks. But we also, as believers in Jesus, don't want to miss out on the opportunity that God has given us to marvel at the event that happened 2,000 years ago. The event that has divided history, BC, AD. That moment when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, if you're anything like me, you're busy, you're tired. Your have got preparations to, to make for Christmas. And it's so easy for our minds to be captured away from the beauty of that moment when God stepped into human history. So what we're going to do on a Sunday morning is we're going to do a series called For To Us, A Child Is Born for the Next Two Weeks so that we as believers in Jesus can take the time to marvel at His greatness, at His glory, And this morning, we're going to be looking at where this phrase comes from in Isaiah chapter 9. So if you haven't got your Bibles open, open them up to Isaiah chapter 9. And this prophecy was given a whopping 700 years before Jesus was born. This prophecy was given. And in this prophecy we see four names that are given to Jesus. And remember, names are significant. Names are important. They describe the character of the person. And these four names describe the character of Jesus. Name number one, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Now, every single one of us, we may not, you may not realize this, but every single one of us, we need counsel in our lives. You know, you don't live By the events of your life, you actually live by the interpretation of those events. You need truth outside of yourself to help you make sense of the things that are going on in your life. We don't live by the events of our lives. We actually live by the interpretation of those events. So all the time, we're talking to people and people are talking to us and we're seeking to make sense out of the things that are happening to us in our lives. And this is where Jesus comes in. Because he is a wonderful counselor. Now, we need to understand how the first readers would have understood this title. You see, in Isaiah chapter 6, we read that King Uzziah had died. Now, King Uzziah was a good king in Judah. But a chapter later, in Isaiah chapter 7, we read that now King Uzziah's grandson, Ahaz, he is now king, and he was an evil king. He was a wicked king. And what is happening in Isaiah chapter 7 is that the northern kingdom has entered into an alliance with Syria and those two forces are now going to come down and they're going to sweep down and they're going to destroy, they're seeking to destroy and ransack Jerusalem. And everyone in Jerusalem, as you can imagine, as they heard this news about this pact that had been made between the northern kingdom and the people of Assyria, you can imagine they were just quaking in their boots as they heard that they were going to come down and attack them. But God promised Ahaz that he was was going to deliver them. But then in Isaiah chapter 8, we read about how he was going to deliver them. He was going to raise up the Assyrians, this mighty world force this mighty war machine, and they were going to sweep down, wipe out the north. And then it says in Isaiah chapter eight that they wouldn't just stop there, but they would come down into Judah and it would be a time of great distress, a time of desolation for the people. And so chapter eight finishes with a lot of darkness and distress and people just wondering what is going on. And this is where Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. You know, this morning there might be people in this room and you are struggling and you're in distress and you're looking at the circumstances of your life and you're wondering what is going on and, and there's a lot of darkness in your, and a lot of struggle in your life. Do you know, Jesus is the Wonderful Counselor. He could help you make sense of all the darkness and the distress that's in your life. Now, why is Jesus such a wonderful counselor? Well, it's because of who he is, his character. And his character is spelt out at the beginning of verse six, look down in verse six, we read this. For to us, a child is born. Now, this speaks here of Jesus's humanity. Just like everyone in this room, Jesus was born as a baby, as a human baby. Who here was a baby? All right? Every single one of us was. Jesus was also a baby. He was a human baby. Now, sometimes when we think about Jesus, we tend to only view him through the divine lens. We don't actually see him through the human lens. Jesus was 100% a human being. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got tired. Uh, Jesus got thirsty. Who here has was, was born in a family... Who has a family, all right? Okay, Jesus had a family. And Jesus was misunderstood by his family. Have you ever been misunderstood by your brothers, your sisters? Yeah, Jesus was misunderstood by his family. Uh, Jesus on, was betrayed by his friends. Who has ever been betrayed by a friend and hurt by a friend? All right, three of us. The rest of you have never been hurt by your friends. Jesus was under so much pressure on the night before he was crucified as he thought about the cross, that he sweat drops of blood. Who has been under enormous stress and pressure in their life? Have you ever been under enormous stress and pressure? See, Jesus is 100% human. He knows exactly what it's like to be human. It says in the book of Hebrews that he has been tempted in every way like us. So Jesus is not some high and mighty counselor that doesn't understand what you're going through. Jesus is 100% human. He understands exactly what you're going through. He understands exactly what the situation is like for you because he was a human being too. But it also says, look down in the verse, it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. If the first statement relates to Jesus' humanity, the second statement relates to Jesus' divinity. Jesus wasn't just 100% man. He was also 100% God. Now here is the amazing mystery of the incarnation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit as the eternal Trinity forever dwelt in inner Trinitarian love. And then God the Son was sent by God the Father to earth. And God the Son took on, He added to His divine nature a human nature, Adding to his divinity, humanity. You see, Jesus, he has two natures. He has a divine nature and a human nature. Now, I'm looking at it all of you. How many natures do you have? Let me tell you how many you have. You have one. You're a human. That's your nature. That's how many natures you have. But Jesus is different in that he is fully God. He has a divine nature. And he is fully human. He has a human nature. And this is the amazing thing of the incarnation. This, is, this, will, this will blow your mind, is that God doesn't change, right? That's one of the attributes of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that who God is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is unchanging. Immutable is the theological word. He doesn't change. But yet, without changing God, He added to His divine nature a human nature. And now forever, Jesus is a human being. When he stepped and took out our humanity, he took it on forever. He died on the cross, he surrendered his humanity to the grave. He then was resurrected in glory. He then ascended in bodily form and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again in bodily form to reign on the earth. What love! What amazing grace that God the Son would add to His divinity a human nature for all eternity to rescue you and to rescue me. What amazing love. What amazing. We should actually, we should wonder at how great and how wonderful He is in doing that for us. But because He is fully God, He understands you more than anyone else understands you. Because He's fully man, He can empathize with you, but because he's fully God, he understands you more than anyone else understands you in this planet. He understands you more than you understand yourself. He understands every word that's on your tongue. He understands every thought that's in your brain. And because of that, he is the most wonderful counselor there is. Do you know, um, just think about the counsel of Jesus. Just think about how with Peter, on one occasion, he knew that Peter needed to be rebuked. Get behind me, Satan. Satan. But on another occasion, after Peter had betrayed Jesus, he came to Peter so tenderly and said, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? Giving him three opportunities to express his love for Jesus, just as he had denied knowing Jesus three times. Jesus is a wonderful counsel. And we receive his counsel through his word. As we read his word, he speaks to us and gives us his counsel. You know, we have a biblical counseling center at the church, and we try to help hurting people. And I tell you, there will be a limit to human wisdom, but when you come to Jesus, there's no limit to his wisdom. His wisdom is limitless. So if you are at the end of your rope here this morning, if you're in a desperate situation, I mightn't be able to help you, but I know one who can. The wonderful counselor can help you. He can give you truth outside of you that can help you in your situation. You know, self-help is ridiculous. You got yourself into that mess. (laughs) How are you going to get yourself out? But Jesus, the wonderful counselor, if you turn to him, he can give you the counsel that you need, the truth that you need to help you. So who is Jesus? He is a wonderful counselor. Number two, everyone say number two. Oh, that was sort of loud. Number two, he is the mighty God, the mighty God. This, of course, speaks of Jesus's divinity. You know, um, just look back in chapter nine and verse one. This is amazing. Chapter nine, verse one. But there will be no more gloom for, the, for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. Now, just look up here. I'll give you a bit of a, a map with my hands, all right? Zebulon and Naphtali were the northern tribes of the people of Israel. And so they were right on the border of, of the northern tribes of Israel. Remember, God said he was sending the Assyrians to come and judge. So these would be the first people who experienced the Assyrian invasion. And God says that they're gonna be treated with contempt. But then he goes on to say, in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan Galilee of the gentiles in the latter times he's made it a glorious place he's shone verse 2 the the great light on them now this is a reference to the coming of Jesus and Mark, uh, Matthew says that this was fulfilled when Jesus came. You see, the very first place that Jesus conducted his ministry was in that region of Galilee. And this is amazing. On the Sea of Galilee, what did Jesus do on the Sea of Galilee? He walked on the water. It was beside the Sea of Galilee that Jesus took bread and broke it, and he fed 5,000. It was on the Sea of Galilee When he told his disciples to go to the other side and there was a big storm, when they woke him up, Jesus said, Be still. And the wind and the waves were still. In that region, Jesus performed miracles demonstrating his divine nature as the mighty God. You see, the truth of Christianity, the claims of Christianity, is not just that Jesus is a good teacher, although he has great teaching. It's not just that Jesus was a prophet, although he does bring us a message from God. Jesus is not Superman, like us, just seems to be like us, but is actually in disguise as Clark Kent. Jesus is not like that. Jesus is fully man, but he is fully divine. He is God. So to worship Jesus is to worship God. This is why they crucified him. They crucified him because he said, I am my father, are one. They crucified him for blasphemy because he claimed to be God. Jesus is the mighty God. And so this is good news. We don't serve a savior who's just a pretty good human. We serve a savior who is God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. My Jesus is, is God. My Jesus is the one who, who, through whom the Father created all things. My Jesus is the one whose hands created the stars at night, but yet whose hands were pierced with the nails. That is who my Jesus is. He is mighty God. Number three, Jesus is wonderful counselor, mighty God. He is everlasting Father. Now, this is not a confusion of the Trinity, that Jesus and the Father are somehow together, the same person. You know, there is this heresy called modalism that teaches that, you know, sometimes God the Father shows up as, uh, sometimes God shows up as the Father, and other times He, He shows up as the Son, and then other times He shows up as the Holy Spirit, And it's God, you know, just play-acting. Sometimes He's the Father, sometimes He's the Son, sometimes He's the Holy Spirit. That is not true. As the New Testament teaches, there is one God who eternally exists as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the three persons are fully God, but there is one God. There is one, they they share the same essence or being. And we see this at the baptism of Jesus, that Jesus was being baptized The spirit descended on him like a dove. And the father spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so this is not a confusion of the members of the Trinity. But rather what this is, is as as a father, I'm a father. A father is someone who protects, who seeks to protect his family. You know, I love my kids. and I give my life for my kids. Because I want to protect them and look after them and protect them from danger. And this is speaking about the fact that Jesus is someone who wants to protect his people. Jesus said, I am a good shepherd and I'll lay down my life for my sheep. I put them into the Father's hand and nothing can pluck them out. Now the problem for my children is that one day I'm going to grow old and I'm going to die. One day, I'm I'm not going to be able to protect them anymore. In fact, one day, they're going to, probably not too far away, they're going to have to lead me and look after me. But what does it say about Jesus? It says that he is an everlasting father. Once Once you're protected by Jesus, secure in his love, he will look after you forever. Isn't that great to know? He's going to look after you forever. Once you're in his hand, nothing can pluck you out. Nothing can separate you from his love. He's gonna look after you. Number four, and this is this is amazing. He's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. You know, if there's one thing that our world needs, it's peace. You don't have to look out much and you will see that there is a lot of brokenness in our world. Is there not? People are broken, the systems of government are broken. Um, relationships are broken. I was just uh, watching this Ted's talk this week. It was entitled, and this is, this is not like some like, freaky doomsday prepping sort of thing on YouTube. This was just a, a, a regular Ted's, Ted's talk. It was eight ways that the world can, can be destroyed suddenly. That was the, that was the title of, a real positive title, hey. Eight ways that the world could suddenly be destroyed. Like it was like a meteor can come. Solar flare, wipe away the atmosphere. And this is a scientist. He's talking about all these different ways. A pan-epidemic, you know, a bubonic plague can come and can destroy the population of the earth. Mass starvation, we're running out of, of uh, you know, fertilizer and stuff like that to, to fertilize crops. And he went through these eight different ways. And I thought to myself, man, if I wasn't a Christian, I would be freaked out by this. You know, There's no protection for any of these things. The world is broken. The ecology is broken. We're reaching a tipping point when it comes to global warming. I don't know if you believe in that or not, but apparently it's reaching a tipping point. All of the systems of this world are broken. But it says here that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And this beautiful passage, in verse 6, we see, that Isaiah goes from the manger to the millennium. He says, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And then he pushes forward in time and says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. You know, there's only one person who I trust to run the government and that is Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Can you imagine what it will be like when Jesus reigns over this world, when the Prince of Peace reigns? Verse seven, Isaiah gives us another picture. He says, of the increase of this government and of peace, there will be no end. This will be an unprecedented time of world peace when King Jesus takes the realm, takes the throne, And on the throne of David and over the kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But how did he bring about this peace? Well, he came as a child, as a babe. He grew up and he died on the cross for all of our injustice and all of our wickedness and all of our sin. See I think the problem is in this that the world is in is it's not a problem out there. The problem that the world is in is it's a problem in here. The problem is in my heart. The problem is in your heart. And Jesus the Prince of Peace died on the cross to make peace with God, to reconcile us to God. And one day, friends, he is returning when he will reconcile all things to himself. It'll be an amazing, amazing thing. This is the hope of the world. This is what we look forward to at Christmas. We, we not only remember that Jesus came a first time, but we remember that he's coming back again as the Prince of Peace to bring peace on earth, to bring justice and Righteousness. Now, I'm not saying that as a church we don't work for justice and righteousness right now. We work for justice and righteousness as the people of God now as we await for the completion and fulfillment of that justice and righteousness when Jesus comes back. And we proclaim Him, the Prince of Peace. Come to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and have peace with God, your Creator. So who is Jesus? He is the Wonderful Counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. I wonder this Christmas, have you forgotten who Jesus is? Have you just left him as this little ornament on your mantle in a manger? Or do you have the vast greatness of who he is presented to be? The wonderful counselor who can help you in your distress, the mighty God, God with us, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Let's marvel and worship Jesus this Christmas. Let's pray together.